you know, if you have a thousand financial transactions, 998 of them might be exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're not, and in construction, we're not making a thousand of one thing. We're making a thousand one things. They're very right. unique, right? Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software. You're invited to join our MEP and construction innovation adventure with a mission to propel this great industry forward. My guest today is Slater Latour, Chief Marketing and Product Officer at Neforma. He is focused on helping Neforma continue to build a great business by delivering valuable solutions to the AEC industry. Slater has held multiple corporate strategy and cross-functional leadership roles at Vertical Software, Financial Technology, financial services organization, ranging from early stage startups to one of the 10 largest diversified financial services provider in the world. Welcome to the show, Slater. Thank you. Thrilled to be here, Todd. Uh, Looking forward to lively discussion. Absolutely. Well, let's start with how you got involved with the construction industry. Sure. So, um, you know, my last company uh, was was not in construction and, and was more around commerce operations, um, inventory management. We sold into large, diversified retail firms. And after that company was sold and I was thinking about my next role, some of the people I'd gotten to know through that process uh, introduced me to Brock Philp, who's our CEO, uh, and we felt like there was a good fit uh, given some of the projects I'd worked in to try to bring some of the concepts around software uh, delivery uh, and strategy uh, from other the, in, the other industries I'd worked in uh, to construction. Um, and I've been here a little over a year now, so steep steep learning curve certainly. But uh, I feel like at this point I'm I'm up to speed and, and know enough to be dangerous. Nice, nice. Well, it's a it's a good industry to come into. I, I uh, was a happy accident into construction technology myself <laughs> very thankful for that happy accident but it uh yeah same here <laughs> awesome uh well for this conversation really wanted to dive in more to interoperability and, and unpack that i know both of us are are passionate about that but let's start with defining the terms how do you define interoperability sure so um in a really broad sense it's around the compatibility of, um, I guess you just say data as a, as a generalized term and the ability from one for data to pass from one system uh, to another system and that layer between the two to translate dif- differences in terminology, uh, differences in format uh, to, to a common understanding so that instead of there being two systems with silo da- with, with silo data that can't talk to each other, that creates a huge administrative hassle, a lot of rework, potential for errors and omissions, just things you don't really want to see. And there's, and there's really no reason for it. The two, the two systems should be able to talk to each other. If data exists in one piece of software and it has some relative structure, you should be able to pass it to another system if you design it the right way without, without losing anything. Yeah. So, you know, interoperability has become such a, uh, the hot new buzzword of construction, but what are some maybe other industries that construction can look to, to learn from uh, that they've handled interoperability well, or maybe they haven't, we can learn from their, uh, their mishaps. <laughs> um, so I guess I'd start, you know, I guess, you know, just with my own background, I'd start 
thinking about, uh, well, say financial services, right? There, are, you know, the in the way financial services businesses transact from one firm to another is there's usually a common set of fields, right? Like, let's say you're talking about a transaction where someone buys a hundred shares of Dell. Mm-hmm. Well, at Charles Schwab versus at Fidelity, the the concept of buy one hundred price and Dell is going to be the same. So, so, and there are differences with, with, at the margins, but they're relatively the same. And so if you look at FinTech, the, there, there's been a massive explosion of API based connectivity so that you can securely transact that, uh, submit, submit that data across different siloed systems so that you don't have huge, uh, huge effort to try to maintain, um, to try to maintain two different ledgers um, manually, and because that's 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 where human error can become a major problem. And and similar thing when it comes to forms and and, and as a as a comparison to like contract documents. In the past, there's been uh, in in the financial services space a lot of manual work to submit the forms, uh, and, and these are forms that are required from a regulatory standpoint. And, and lots of rekeying of data, lots of uh, problems with the data not getting rekeyed exactly right with like a long account number. And that's that could create all kinds of different errors and, and workflow problems. And and that kind of stuff is it's possible to eliminate that stuff or to eliminate it 95% so that you can really focus on areas where the disagreements are meaningful or there's some real problems with 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 certain documents so it lets just people it, it just it, it can be a much more secure and and scalable way to to keep those documents up to date make sure data is correct uh, and be consistent from one institution to another yeah uh, what do you see as some of the inherent and potential challenges with interoperability in the construction industry yeah, that's a really good point because it's um, you know it's it is different, right? Like the first the first thing to to understand about interoperability is what are the limits of interoperability as it relates to uh, the industry that you're focused on, right? So uh, you know, whereas you know, if you have a thousand financial transactions, nine hundred ninety eight of them might be exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So you know, we're not. And in construction, we're not making a thousand of one thing. We're making a thousand one things. They're very right. unique, right? Like even even if you are talking about the most um, the most modular, you know, prefabbed, um, you know, common design of a building, you're still going to have unique aspects of delivering that project based on the physical space, the site in which it's going to sit, those are always unique. Um, and then, you know, things like utility, conf- you know, you're talking about a permanent building, it's going to need to connect to power and water and and the, there's going to be variants there. So, it, you know, the key is to understand, okay, interoperability works best where you have structured, a structured common set of things that need to go from one place to another. That might not always be the case, uh, or, or in fact, the assumption should, should be it's not the case. And when you're talking about 
large complex construction projects. So there will be limits that, that you don't see in other industries. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, the construction industry, there's so many layers of complexity on, <laughs> on each project, uh, even on the, the standardized yeah. product projects that are, are out there. So how do you kind of take that into account control for that variability sure. among the different job sites? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a great question. Um, and I don't want to overpromise and say that that's, you know, you're going to get hundred percent of the way there. Cause I don't think that's reasonable, but there at the same time, you know, one thing that I, that, that's, that's um, been fascinating for me to learn is how is just how structured the communications are through the construction phase of a project between the design and construction firms and and how that's all governed by contract documents um, with a common set of fields and and a structure and workflow around them so those are the types of things where you have an opportunity because there's enough structure to the data to make to, to, to make sure that, you know, one person's RFI and the supporting documentation around that is easily portable to another firm's, you know, RFI management solution uh, with all that supporting documentation and then can flow back um, to, to, to resolve issues. So it's looking for those places um, through all the different workflows where there are structure where there's a lot of structure and commonality and focusing on those as your low-hanging fruit and then building up from there create a common data environment for your team with 360 sync 360 sync automatically transfers organized and archives project files across applications it is the only way to automatically sync project files between your server procore bim 360 bluebeam or any other platform you use 360 Sync is the only document management system designed by and for the AEC industry. Users have automatically transferred over 1 million files and over 2 million syncs. Set it and forget it. Create a common data environment for your team today using 360 Sync. Visit asti.com slash 360 Sync for more information. Yeah, so for somebody who maybe is starting off on this journey of interoperability and, and really trying to wrap their minds around it. What kind of time investment and, and sure. lift do you see to really make it practical? Yeah, no, it's, it's a good question. Um, I mean, look, there's surveys out there that say that, you know, on an average project, you'll see that a turnaround time in RFI is, is, is around 10 days. And I don't know how, I don't know how, up, how, recent that data is, but it sounds based on what we've seen, I think it's gotten a little better than that, but it's, that's still a reasonable mm -hmm. uh, benchmark. And so you have the, the question you have to ask yourself is how much time gets lost through that? Just re-uploading documents, rekeying data that existed in someone's system in the first place, um, you know, retrieving old emails for additional context, when you can eliminate, uh, when you can eliminate at least, at least as a starting point, the administrative test uh, steps, you're going to, you know, start to to save time. So it's like, what what are the benchmarks that that you want to start to bend the other way, and how can you how can you make that go faster? Yeah, no, that's interesting. So one of the dynamics there that I see at play is separating out the 
good information that can be leveraged for insights and the other stuff that is is frankly just kind of noise in the background (laughs) that's a good question um there's there's nothing there's probably always going to be some noise right it but there's also a, a way to um there's also a way to make data you know searchable findable and and transmissible and make that process much faster um and then and then have the metrics in place around um how you categorize certain like whether it's let's just go back to the rfi the rfi uh question you know as as from the design side of the equation you're gonna like it makes sense in in a in a, in a post project um, best practices to do a post mortem and look you know look through the RFIs that you received. Some some will be unavoidable. Like we talked about the site, you know the the how the site was actually was versus how it was thought to be originally. Utility mm-hmm. configurations, in my experience, can often be a lot different. Uh, can can are not always properly documented, and so there can be issues that come up with that. So those, there's some things that are be unavoidable, but then there's probably a way to look and and see where, you know, the the original project wasn't as well documented from the design side and closing those gaps on the next project. So you're, you're building institutional knowledge over time by looking at your, your dark spots, uh, your blind spots. Um, and similarly, you know, using, you, you know, if you, there are probably RFIs that get submitted that uh, were not necessary, right? Like, so, you know, there's, there's survey data around, um, around our, you know, the, from the design, from the designer's point of view, RFIs getting created, um, you know, just as a, a defense mechanism on the, on the, on the contractor side. And so you can, you can use that type of classification of an RFI to evaluate, you know, which partners you use, uh, where you have the best and most efficient relationships in place. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it comes down to making sure the data is structured and categorized the right way um, for, for post project evaluation. And then, you know, during the project that, Going back to the interoperability question, can you quickly find the stuff that you need to respond? And that's that's you know New Pharma's whole uh, mission is is making that process go really fast because all the project information is um, consolidated to a single place and accessible, so that you can quickly resolve issues that come up during construction. Yeah. So this may be a bit of an oversimplification, but it seems like on the data collecting front, there's there's kind of two camps that are competing against each other. You have the one that is just, let's collect every single piece of information and data point that you can yeah. possibly gather, whether you have a, a plan to leverage it or not. Yep. And then you have the others that we're only going to collect exactly what we need, no more, yep. no less. Yep. Uh, I, there's a happy medium probably there. Yeah, probably a happy medium. <laughs> that the industry isn't, isn't uh, fully leveraging, but uh, where do you kind of fall on that that spectrum then? Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. Um, you know, I, it's easy to say happy medium, but 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 there's also an argument for you know more more is is really better. Um, 
So, I, I, you know, I think, you know, I think if you are, you know, some of it also depends on how, it, how well it's organized, right? Like data has to be organized for it to be useful. Like I can, I can throw a whole bunch of data at you and it, without any particular structure, you, you, you wouldn't, you certainly wouldn't thank me. <laughs> um, so I think it comes down to governance. Um, like more is better as long as, you know, you have the tools in place to quickly uh, drive insights from the data that you have at your fingertips. Um, so yeah, structured organization, uh, will, you know, to me, if, if those things are operating the right, the right way, more will, is then better. More is not better if, if that, if that structural organization is not, is not in place. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you there on the, the governance side of things. If you don't have the, the structure in place, I think then more is detrimental. Exactly. You. exactly. You don't know what you're going to do with the data too. I don't know why you would care about it. It's just collecting dust and makes it harder to find what you want. Exactly. It's, it's, uh, I guess knowing, I guess the, at a very basic level, it might be nice to know that it's, it exists, but if you can't get to it, um, hard right. to see how that's useful. Or if it is clouding the data right. that you actually are trying to get to exactly and that you yeah. need to get to and you can't find it because yeah. it's just in this yes. sea of data out there i i think it's it's pretty detrimental so i'm yeah. a huge fan plan it out before yep. you plan it out put the structure it. in place set you know set expectations um yeah put 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 as much as you can uh out on the table at the for at the beginning so that you know you're not two or three years into a construction project and and your stuff's literally siloed in eight different places that you can't get to it. Yeah. I think uh, kind of going off the, the silo thing too, I think adding in different voices and departments in that analyzing of how you're going to use the data is crucial too, because you might not in your small uh, window, not use a piece of data but it might be super valuable yeah to collect for the company you just don't have insight into that because it's for somebody else's department so having those multiple voices and perspectives is is critical too yeah like um you know the <laughs> the importance of of uh just as an example the, the importance of being able to manage your project related email is important during certainly important during the um the design and build phase of the project because there's probably important decisions and context that's there. And, but there's for like a legal department after the fact for archiving requirements, uh, they have a totally different set of requirements. And, and so like having that input so that your project record keeping practice is, a, is designed to serve both while the project is being delivered and the needs of of the project after it's already been delivered is 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 so important. Yeah, definitely. Have you do you have a, a story or an example of a company that you've seen do this really well and and have that well thought sure. out plan and uh, connect everything together? We you know we've heard from customers. Um, we've heard from customers that you know using the new form of software you know, in a, in a litigation event that unfortunately took place after they were able to, they were able to quickly find all of the email communication with the sign offs to, to, 
to manage their, their risk in that in that event um, effectively after you know because it was two or three years after the project had already happened and you know over the course of the project twenty five thousand emails had been exchanged uh, over several years so that that uh, we have we have you know tons of stories like that. Um, around how like the you know the systems and the methods of organization have have served the project well both during and after do you feel indestructible well do you then mep force 2021 is the event for you it is the gathering place for industry thought leaders throughout mep to come together and learn the new technology trends in prefabrication and more the best part is it's all industry-led and driven meaning real people from the trades will be leading the almost 80 breakout sessions. So you'll be getting real life practical examples and use cases to take back and implement right away. This year, we'll be having some in-person networking events in select cities. So sign up today and we just may be coming to your city. Go over to mepforce.com to claim your edge today and use promo code BTG to get your discounted ticket. Looking forward to seeing all my innovators at MEP Force. Nice. Well, kind of circling back to the R5 process that you were speaking yep. to, uh, you kind of brought this up a, a bit. I want to go a little bit deeper. Uh, how and, and why do you really need to maintain the, the record of what happened? And then how do APIs really play into that? Yeah. Um, so, so certainly, the, like, we, we, we got into it a little bit. So, so as retrospective data for their own performance or for the performance of their partners, super important. Um, you know, in, in the worst case scenario, the, the importance of that record to, to serve the firm from a risk management standpoint in the event that there is litigation related to something, um, that the, having that record is, is extremely important. And then to your question about, um, to that question, to the question about why is interoperability important for efficiency, right? So, given what we've just said, it makes sense that both the con on the contractor side of the equation and on the design side of the equation, both firms, regardless of what is the official project record, are going to have their own records of everything that happened as well. Mm -hmm. So, and so you know, like you know, it goes back to why of where is the tension on uh, between design and and uh, co design firms and, and contractors start is like, well, it starts with even deciding on what's the system of record going to be, right. since they're both going to have to maintain them. So if it's the contractor system of record, well, that means that the the design firm is going to have to be doing duplicate entry on every RFI and submittal and set of documents that they need to that they need to exchange during the build phase. But there's a reason, like like there's enough there's enough. Um, there's enough structure and uh, and, and the technology exists to make it so that regardless of what the official you know system record is going to be, that data can pass seamlessly back and forth. So you're talking about let's just like you know in a in a in a case where it takes five minutes to locate uh, to to distribute add the supporting evidence. So even if that takes five minutes, you're talking about thousands of RFIs and, and, and document exchanges over the course of a project, that immediate sync between both systems, that's going to end up saving thousands of hours. Plus, 
it's not you're not then relying on a, a person to make sure that all the documentation is in both is in two systems because if it is in one system it's in the other system right. um so that that kind of interoperability um one it 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 you know it creates some level of objectivity um in that it's not like you can't just point the finger and say you know, you you left this crucial photo for 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 an RFI response when you uploaded it to our system. Like, if it was in one system, it's in the other. So there's there's just less. It's it's objective. Technology is more objective than 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 people are in, in my experience. Yeah. Um, but also just the time savings is is will will add up um, and and at, at an incredible rate. Yeah, for sure. So where do you see the potential there of blockchain in this? process with interoperability yeah oh wow yeah i get that a lot um so you know i think with with where the blockchain technology is today it it's probably not going to add a ton of speed um but you can you can easily imagine a world where 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 uh, like leveraging some of the things that blockchain does very well um in terms of being like a centralized ledger, that 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 kind of connectivity from the different systems that the that the different you know firms working on a project can push data into a blockchain, and then you've got this single source of truth that's completely unauth unalterable, um, and that that could be something very powerful. Thinking through a, a timeline for the construction industry, what do you see interoperability? how long until it reaches kind of that critical mass for the industry? Yeah, I mean, I think there's been a lot of progress made, um, to be sure. Um, and and the the infrastructure in, that allow that enables data to pass from one system to another is is growing almost exponentially. So, you know, we, you know, we started the conversation, we talked about, let's start with the fact that we need to uh, level set expectations around how much interoperability is possible given how you know how that each project is is so unique but um you know i, I would think i would think th the type of um connectivity between systems that exists in other industries um to the extent that it's possible is you know it, it will be in place for construction in the next five to ten years just given how quickly technology is advancing you've got um players that have been in in place for a very long time, they're adding API technology to their to their older systems. The newer systems come in. the the new the, the start the startups in the space generally think about that from the outset. So it's you know any, anything that has the structure to be exchanged across systems um, will will be it will be technologically possible very very soon. And then I, where I think the industry um, can can do uh, can do a, a better job is like going back to the RFI problem. If you know there are there are common um, there are common uh, ways of categorizing RFIs. Just as you know, to go back to our original example, there are, there are things that are common. But we, what we've seen is that they can be enough different at at within each firm that it's the syncing of those types of documents across systems can become difficult. So if the, if the industry can somehow come together and put, um, you know, stronger governance around that and around what, you know, definitions and, 
and uh, what's the common understanding of, of, of different issues that pop up during the project, it'll be much easier to synchronize data uh, across multiple systems. Yeah, for sure. So when you're looking at integrating the different tech stacks, what are some determining factors for you to be able to do it successfully? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it it starts it starts with the availability. Like, just starts with is there an API that we can consume, or or do we have an API that they can consume? Um, and then and then it's looking at, you know, is there is this data structured enough or similarly enough in both systems that we can know that this field, where however we've called it, let's say it's you know a project number. You know, is there an equivalent field that I'm, you know, in, in, in that example, of course there is, but, but how do we make sure that, you know, pro our project number is the same as their project number? There needs to be at least some unique identifier uh, right. on, on both sides of, of uh, a data exchange to make the data exchange possible. Um, and the more there are, the, you know, the more you can do with it. So Slater, thinking of another big trend that's coming up, which is digital twins. How do you see that playing in to the interoperability discussion moving forward? Sure. Um, so yeah, it's it's really early days in in digital twins, um, and the you know the usefulness of them is is definitely well understood, especially for infrastructure and and other really large capital projects. Um, how that will fix the effect the day-to-day -day business of of uh, AEC is 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 unclear. But what I what you know what I think uh, can happen as as we you know the the growth of BIM has been you know well well documented. So I don't need to go into that too much. But um, you know as as you know BIM models become more interoperable interoperable across systems and. And then you start to think about like location data, not just the address of the building is whatever the address is, but where is the, on what floor was the issue? Can you start to look at a digital twin and the record of, of the project, you know, that as it was being delivered and see when you're, when you're operating the, the asset, where the issues cropped up, things, changes that that may, uh, you know, changes that had to be made, so that if you're going into it uh, after the fact to do a refit or or to um, to I don't know to change the building or or rebuild it, you you have a record, and that record is detailed and geolocated both, you know, so you to find all of the potential issues and 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 thorny problems that could crop up um in in real time and, and really quickly yeah interesting well how do people get a hold of you and find out more information of new Foreman? absolutely uh so the best way to do that is to go to our website which is very easy to remember it's www.newforma.com um have a look around we've got a lot of um content on there case studies with our customers and um, if you like what you see, uh, there's an easy way to sign up and get in touch with someone for a consultation. Awesome. Well, last question for you. What does innovation mean to you? Oh, man. Um, you know, I'm, uh, I'll keep it really simple. Innovation is when, uh, for me, it's when uh, an end user of one of our products uh, starts using the product and 
they're, you know, they just see their life getting better. Making people's lives better. Nice. I like it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Slater, thanks so much for joining and appreciate the conversation. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take, I've said it before and I will continue to say it. There is tremendous value in looking to other industries and learning. The area of interoperability is no different. The construction industry can look to see what worked well and what leaves room for improvement in those other industries and then map out how it might work in our industry and what needs to be changed to be in line with the unique complexities we have. Second take, when thinking through your data, look for those unique identifiers on your data and places to provide enough structure around the data for an easier standardization. And final take, in order to make the data be more useful, it must first be organized. Make sure you have the tools and plan to govern, maintain, and analyze the data properly. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software, at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is directed and produced by Todd Wyant, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software production. Copyright Applied Software 2021.